0: Good evening, guys. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with something a little different. Um, we're going to do a skit. So here is my stage in the beginning. So I have some people are, have pre-volunteered, and um, some people have not. So <laughs> I'm going to ask Warwick going to come up. So the story is Moses and the burning bush. I don't think I need to read that. I think you guys are familiar. Can I ask where I could come? So just stand here in the front. So this is Moses. Okay. <laughs> and then Danielle is, Dan- Danielle? Okay. Danielle is Moses' staff. The, the staff. Okay. And um, I also need somebody. This has not been prearranged. So anybody who would like to volunteer to be the burning bush? Okay. Okay. <laughs> And then all of you are going to be the sheep. Okay? So this is very simple. It doesn't require too much uh, pre preparation. We just literally do what I say. Okay. So um, can I ask the bush to come over here? (laughs) Okay. And Moses and the staff can go this side. You can go. So we'll do it down here so that we don't fall over the steps. Okay. One day, a shepherd named Moses was out tending his sheep, okay? First, he would move his staff to the left, and all the sheep would go to the left, okay? (laughs) Then he would move his staff to the right, and all the sheep would lean that way. (laughs) Then he would do his favorite trick, put his staff straight above his head, Figure it out, guys. Spontaneous, spontaneous acting. Just. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or we can just maybe lift the staff's hands up, okay? There we go. But you, Moses, you have to, this is yours. Thank you. And the sheep would split straight down the middle. Okay. <laughs> okay. God observed Moses and decided to speak to him from a bush. The bush said to him, Moses, Moses. Moses Moses turned to the sheep and said, I hear a voice. voice. The sheep in unison all said, bah. And Moses said, not really. really. (laughs) Um, The bush said, come here, Moses, and take off your shoes. The sheep groaned. The staff plugged its nose. (laughs) Moses took off his shoes and walked to the bush. The bush said, I've seen the people's misery and the way you part those sheep. Moses hid his face in embarrassment. The bush said, I've got plans for you, Moses. Moses said, who am I? That you should be talking to me. Then he realized who he was talking to and he said, Who are you that I should be talking to you? The bush said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses looked at the squatty bush and said, You're kidding. <laughs> Suddenly, the bush caught fire, waving its big flaming arms and yelled in a booming voice, throw your staff down, Moses. Staff down. Moses took his staff and gently threw it on the ground. And the staff began slithering around like a snake, hissing at Moses. Moses cowed in the corner and said, okay, okay, not kidding. The staff slithered around Moses and the bush said, Moses, Pick up, pick up your staff. Moses gave the bush a puzzled look and turned to his staff and said, uh, Hey, baby, want to go out sometime? <laughs> the bush said loudly, No, then not that kind of pick, up. No, that I mean, pick it up. I mean, pick it up. Scared half to death, Moses slowly reached out towards his staff, which was still hissing. And when he touched it, the staff immediately stopped hissing and stood straight and tall. The bush said, now go. I am sending you and your staff to Pharaoh to free my people. Your staff to, to Pharaoh to free my people. Moses said, but, but who am I that I should go? The bush said, who am I that I should speak? Moses said, good point. And he took his staff by the hand, waved goodbye to the sheep and headed off to Egypt. Thank you to my actors. That was very good. <laughs> okay, spontaneous. Love it. I'm a teacher. I've got to get, like, crowd participation, you know? <laughs> okay. Um, so I was asked to speak about miracles, and I was like, you Okay. Okay, um, but I think the... Message that I wanted to. Okay, I'm not going to tell you the title yet. Let's start. Can we call up Hebrews 11, please? Verse one. Okay, Hebrews 11, verse one said, "Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see." Now, is I'm sure for most of you guys, it's easy to know what you hope for, right? It's It's easy to have faith in what you hope for, because you hope for it, and you hope it will happen, so that's not hard. But I was challenged by the second part, it said, being certain of what you do not see. Certain, certain as in, that means like, you're not doubting, you're certain of what you do not see. So, that's where they start off about faith. Can we go to verse 23, please? I have it here. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I'm going to just read it from here and then you guys can follow there. We're going to go up to verse 31. If anybody wants to open your bubbles, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith... Pa- uh, Moses's parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not—they uh, were not afraid of the king's edict. Okay, so again, I need some crowd participation. So I need you to say "by faith." Re- when just read that part with me. When we read "by faith," okay, "by faith," <laughs> Moses, um, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. (laughs) He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ and the greater value of the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. (laughs) The people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, um, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. The walls of Jericho, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. The prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Okay, so there's a lot of uh, faith by faith by faith by faith there. And if I just, I'm going to go on ahead to verse 32. And it says, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah path, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised the life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain better resurrection." Okay, so, I mean, these people, like, these are amazing things, you know, shut the mouths of lions, like, this is not your average everyday occurrences, right, Um, quench the flames, escape the edge of the sword, these are amazing things. So, all of these people that saw, performed, and or experienced these miracles, what made them special? What is some powerful characteristic that they had that we can aspire to? And anybody, you can answer. (laughs) Did they have some powerful characteristic? Something special about them? Faith. Faith, right. Okay, they themselves were not special. There was nothing special about them except for their faith, right? In fact, if you think God can't use you, just remember, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair. It's a sin, guys. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. How many of us can identify with that? The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. You know, sometimes people think, oh, divorce. No, she was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. So no more excuses, God can use you to your full potential, besides you aren't the message, you're just the messenger. So that's a quote, um, but yes, I found it really um, interesting, none of these famous amazing stories happened to people that were amazing. We wouldn't exactly want to strive to be like these people, in fact would probably try not to be like them, you know, womanizer, murderer all of those things. We're probably striving not to be like them. So why them? Why did God choose them? Why did God use them? Because God doesn't need any help to be amazing. God is God. He is the miraculous one, not us, right? So going back now to the, my sort of name for my message was, do you know who you serve? So some people, we talked about these people in the Bible, we talked about, um, well, they mentioned Gideon, Samson, David, Samuel, you know, Moses, Abraham, the names that we know. And some of these people experienced God and names of God or character, these names were the characteristics of God that they experienced. So in Genesis 1 verse 1, they experienced God as Elohim, supreme God, strong one, creator God, Right. Um, in Genesis 17 verse 1, they um, experienced him as El Shaddai, God Almighty, All-Sufficient One. This is one of the names that Abraham used, and we know that like Abraham also saw amazing miracles and works of God. Yahweh, it's also one of the Moses experienced um, Yahweh as I am. Adonai in Genesis 15 verse 1, which is Lord or Master, and it also says, like, I am a shield to you. And then also in Isaiah 44, verse 6, they experience him as Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. So God is powerful. This is who he is. God is mighty and he is holy. He always was these things and he always is these things and he always will be these things. He doesn't need us at all. But there's also a reason why, I'm sure if I had to ask any of you, I won't do it now, but if I had to ask you the names of God, we know some that are more common, like Jehovah Jireh, right? Jehovah Rapha, ones that we sing about, ones that we pray about. But there was a reason why I didn't jump to these names first. Um, So, for example, Jehovah Jireh, the law that provides Emmanuel, God with us. Jehovah-Rohi, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but it's the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah-Shalom, which is in Judges, which is the Lord my peace. And Jehovah-Rapha, which is the Lord that heals. I've been challenged lately to stop praying to God like a genie God. So I'll pray, thank you, God, that you heal me. Thank you, God, that you provide for me. Thank you, God, that you give me peace. And thank you, God, that you keep me safe. All of these things are true, right? And God does do those things. But I think the challenge that I um, had in my mind was that there was too much me in those prayers. You know, God is the provider for me. God is the healer of me. No, God is, yes, he can heal me, but he's also just the healer. And he is worthy to be praised and he is holy without him doing anything for me because of all the things that we said that he is, Elohim, and like I am beginning and the end, yeah? So um, I would want to be, when I, when I prayed, I would want to be thankful to God, and I would want to start thanking him for all the things that he's done for me and all the times that he provided for me, but again, these things are a great test in me, but I feel like God was reminding me to focus on who he is, not just what he does for me. So, um, I don't know, did I give you Matthew ten seven? I can't remember if I gave you that one. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so we know this one. This is the Great Commission, right? As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That was a commission that wasn't like, for, that was for the disciples, you know, and we are also disciples now because we've come into the kingdom of God. These are the things, you know, just casually like heal the sick, drive our demons. <laughs> you know? That was what he, he told us to do. And Jesus gave us this authority. Well, he gave the authority to his disciples. And they said that he said that they could do all the things that he did and even more things, but in his name and for his glory. So there's a story in um, Matthew 9, verse 7. Sorry, 27. So I'm going to read it from here, Um, but you can follow. Um, As Jesus went out from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on my son of David. When they had gone indoors, the blind men came up to him, and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith faith, I faith, according to your faith, it will be done for you. And their sight was restored. So it's interesting to me that Jesus asked them first, do you believe that I can do this? He was asking for their faith. You know, he didn't just go and heal them. Or sometimes in other other stories, he asked them, he asked the person, what do you want? But in this case, he asked them, do you believe that I can do this? He's testing their faith. And then they said yes, and then he says, because of your faith, you are healed. So, if we want to see the things that Jesus did happen now, does it mean that we just have to faith harder? That we have to believe more, just like, you know, believe harder, okay? I think that we have to believe that God can do it. We have to believe that God is all the things that he says that he is, you know? And if he can do it and Jesus gave us the authority, then we can do it also. But what happens if it doesn't work, right? I think that's the biggest question that we ask ourselves. What if I pray and it doesn't work? What if I pray for someone to be healed and they're not healed? Does it mean that we didn't believe hard enough? You just need to believe harder. (laughs) Does it mean that God is not who he says he is? No, no ways. He is who he says he is. Going back to Hebrews 11, at the end of Hebrews 11, it says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. So they're telling us about these amazing things that all these people with great faith, sometimes they call Hebrews 11 the hall of faith. But none of them received what they had been promised, um, because God had planned something better. That, it could, that only um, together with us they would be made perfect. So I found a quote here that explains it way better than I, <clears throat> excuse me, than I am able to explain. So I'm just going to read it from here. And um, this is from Bibleref.com. So verse 39 and 40 provide a stunning climax to the writer's overall point, a conclusion made complete over the first two verses of the next chapter. Early chapters of this letter explained in great detail why we ought to have the greatest possible confidence in the new covenant through Jesus Christ. Given that confidence, we should look back on the example of those in the Old Testament who exhibited faith. This faith... Godly faith is defined as trust. It means relying on God despite doubts and fears because of what he has already done. Heroes of the faith succeeded specifically because they had that kind of trust in God. And their feats were legendary. At the same time, these faithful ones often suffered persecution and hardship. If, we care, if you read to the end of, all the way to the end of Hebrews 11, it says they were crucified, they were killed, they were stoned, they were thrown out. Like It didn't all go well for them just because they were these heroes. You know, Some terrible things happened to them, but, and they um, suffered a lot of hardship, but they remained faithful. These hardships are listed both to encourage Christians to hold fast during persecution, as well as to keep their own suffering in perspective. Earlier in this chapter, the writer pointed out that those who exhibit truly godly godly faith are looking to the future, the ultimate future. The hope of a believer in God is ultimately his promise to work together for good, all things, from an eternal perspective. For this reason, it's not uncommon to see that some of these Old Testament heroes died without seeing an earthly fulfillment of God's promises. And yet, even now, these faithful ones have not yet obtained the ultimate reward, which is to see God's final victory over sin and death. The reason for this delay is given in the next verse. The humbling, awesome truth is that God has granted us, those who are alive and hearing the gospel today, an even clearer presentation of the truth so that we'll be able to believe and join in that ultimate reward. Wow, hey? Eternal. So it brings me back to my point about the genie God. Ultimately, the reason that we're here is to worship God and for his glory, yeah? We don't deserve anything that God gives us. We don't deserve to achieve or to do anything on earth, but he gives us grace. And he adopted us into his family. So if you think about adoption, somebody that's adopted into a family gains all the rights and privileges of that family, just like a son, you know? And so we were not supposed to be, I mean, we were not Jewish, which means we were Gentiles. We were not supposed to receive the promise of God. But he adopted us into his family and gave us the same inheritance and the same authority that he had on earth as well as eternal life with him. Thank you, Jesus. So, whether we pray and it works, or we pray and it doesn't, what do we actually have to lose? A phrase I heard once said, there's nothing you can do to make him, him as in God, there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. So, my encouragement and my final thought here is to believe that in who God is and his power, we don't have to believe that we have power. We have to believe that he has power and he is who he says he is. So if you follow the spirit and you pray for someone, you might change their lives. You might change your own life. Okay. But if you don't believe, or if you're too scared to pray for the miracle, you definitely won't change anything. Right? Um, but ultimately nothing, whether you pray or don't pray, that will not change the fact that God loves you. And yeah, we just, the important thing is that we need to, um, we need to follow the spirit and do everything for the glory of God. So yeah, be encouraged. Um, he gave us this authority. We can do these things. It's hard to believe that we can, but we can, he said, we can, if he can, we can, you know, so yeah, that's all. Thank you very much.
1: Awesome! Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome! Thanks, Case. Appreciate that. Um, wonderful participation. There was really, really excited. Uh, yeah. So I'm just gonna have Gav just to lead us in a time of communion. is always a special time I think it's I think as I've got older I've learned more and more it's actually about um, Jesus is just drawing us into that relationship with him and reminding us of a relationship way more than a religious um, what do you call it like a religious thing where we just like have some juice and bread it's actually something we must be doing every day of just whenever we eat whenever we have something to drink just enjoy his presence at the table because that's what it was when when he had the last supper with his disciples it was a meal together and um, he reminded them well, he told them what he's going to do and it's something that we must remember so if you remember he took bread on the last supper and he broke it and he said this is my body which was broken for you and after the meal he took a cup of that day's wine we have grape juice and said, um, you know, take this cup and drink of it. Um, it's my blood shed for you. So let's gather together into groups of two and three. Let's ponder on the word that Case shared. And uh, maybe you can pray for each other that God can give you a greater level of faith. In trusting for, for more. I shared this morning. And I want to see us walk into more of what God has for us. And we need to believe that. And we need to have faith for that because there's so much more that God wants for us as Christians and as Fountain Vineyard. Um, So we need to have faith and let's ask God to, you know, um, give us greater faith that we can trust him more. Um, Let's minimize our own um, thinking and whatever and maximize what he wants to do in us. So I'm going to pray and then we can go to the tables and you guys can pray together. So, Father, we thank you for, for who you are. Lord, I thank you for Case. I thank you for a word of encouragement to, to just trust you more and more, to have a greater sense of faith in knowing um, who you are and what you can do and want to do in us and through us. And, Lord, as we, we come to your table tonight, Lord, we ask that we would remember your grace, your mercy, your love, and your, um, your desire for that deep, deep relationship with us, Lord. So, Jesus, thank you for this, this incredible word. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to, to, to light that fire in our hearts and our lives, of a greater faith of seeing what you want to do in us. So, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's go for it, and then when that's done, we'll go into a time of worship.